Okay, the next lecture is thoracic diagnostic testing, uh, pulmonary. Here's your preview question. Each of the following interventions is potentially helpful in increasing arterial oxygen saturation on a mechanically ventilated patient except increase the FiO2, adjust the IDE ratio, increase the tidal volume, or increase the PEEP. All right, very good. So increase in tidal volume. So tidal volume will control your CO2 and uh, ventilation volumes. All the other three can affect your oxygen. Um, all right. So there's a surprising number of questions on your uh, exam, uh, both the written and the oral, probably even more specifically the oral, that have to deal with thoracic uh, diagnostic tests. And so these next two lectures, there's a fair number of questions that, uh, that, you'll, that you'll see. So the, the, this is good, uh, this is very good material. Pulmonary function testing, about 100,000 thoracotomies are performed annually, and this is used for a preoperative uh, assessment of risk to determine two things, resectability and operability of the patient. In other words, how much tissue can you remove, and will the patient survive what uh, you're going to do to them? Uh, candidates for preoperative evaluation are patients that are heavy smokers, obese patients, anyone over 70, uh, if they've got uh, pre-existing pulmonary disease such as COPD, asthma, uh, and anytime you're contemplating removal of anything but a wedge resection, and even in that case, probably also. There's functional testing, um, and in general, thoracic surgical procedures are either intermediate or high risk. High risk would be considered someone that has a cardiac risk more than 5%. Operations that are gonna be long, uh, where you anticipate a lot of fluid shifts or any significant blood loss. Intermediate would be a cardiac risk between 1% and 5% in any intrathoracic uh, surgery. So pulmonary function testing um, is spirometry, um, hemodynamic response testing, which we don't uh, do a lot of now, and exercise testing. We'll talk about each of these. Spirometry, uh, modern spirometry is very complex and sophisticated. Uh, it can be affected by a lot of different factors, including height, age, weight, gender. Um, the mainstays of preoperative testing are your uh, arterial oxygen reading, uh, the spirometry volumes, and uh, the DLCO. Those are the th main things we're looking at. Spirometry and arterial oxygen are not predictive of postoperative complications. Only uh, DLCO is. So the diffusion capacity is the more sensitive predictor of, uh, of post-op complications. DLCO estimates the pulmonary capillary surface area, hemoglobin content, and the alveolar microarchitecture. So DLCO will obviously be decreased in patients who have significant emphysema, if they have pulmonary hypertension, or any of the ILD, 40 different types of interstitial lung disease. Uh, DLCO 
uh, of less than 60 was the best predictor of mortality above any spirometry numbers or anything else. DLCO less than 40% correlates with increased risk of respiratory and cardiac complications. So here is um, a spirometry and DLCO uh, readout from one of our labs at Intermountain. Um, and so you have a reference value of all of these spirometry volume uh, measurements and ratios and then the DLCO. And this is uh, predicted and then the percentage of the reference value. And so we look at, you know, the absolute volume, but you're also looking at what the percentage of lung function this patient has. So in their volumes, uh, they're in the 90s, but then down here on their DLCO, uh, they're in the 60% range. And so that, that would raise a red flag to you. Spirometry, uh, this shows uh, a volume trace and a volume flow loop. Uh, you need to be familiar with these volume flow loops, especially the uh, inspiratory and expiratory limb. Uh, this is a, another uh, cartoon showing a normal pattern versus an obstructive versus an, a restrictive pattern. And so it's the, the patterns that you need to be able to recognize. So. This is a flow volume loop, and I'll tell you on one of my oral board questions, I was given flow volume loops. And the entire scenario went from the flow volume loop. He wanted me to interpret what the volume, what the condition was based on these pictures. And then we talked about the, the, the diagnosis. So learn these little things. That's why we put them in here. So this is a normal one. This is the expiratory limb and the inspiratory limb, okay? This is an obstructive pattern correlating with asthma, COPD, emphysema, where the FEV1 is decreased and the FEC is normal. You can see that the inspiratory limb is fairly normal, but they can't expire. It's an obstructive pattern for expiration. Here is a restrictive pattern flow volume loop and just the volumes are decreased there. This is pulmonary fibrosis, pneumonia, obesity, uh, where FEV1 is decreased or normal and also the FEC is decreased. Here is something called a variable extrathoracic. This uh, pattern you'd see in vocal cord paralysis, an extrathoracic goiter, or a laryngeal tumor where there's a decrease in the inspiratory limb, but the expiratory is fairly normal. And then variable intrathoracic, where you've got a tracheal tumor obstructing, where the expiratory limb is decreased and inspiratory is fairly normal. And then fixed, where there's tracheal stenosis or a circumferential tumor. Uh, where both are affected. Okay, so just star those, know them, and know the associated conditions with each of those flow volume loops. VQ scans, uh, useful in determination of postoperative lung function. Perfusion scans uh, are more predictable than, uh, with technetium, or more predictable than xenon. And uh, spirometry and lung scans accurately predict postop lung function. 
uh, a calculated post-op FEV1 of less than 40% of predicted is associated with a 50% mortality rate. Uh, these patients are substantial risk for respiratory complications and prolonged vent support and possibly tracheostomy. Absolute uh, minimum post-op FEV1 should be more than 800 cc's and a lobectomy, a poor man's, you know, uh, BQ scan would be to, to recognize that a lobectomy will reduce the lung volume by about 15%. Each segment is about 5%, okay? And most lobes have about, well, two or three um, segments. Here's an example of ventilation perfusion scan where there are defects caused by pulmonary emboli in comparison with a normal scan. Now, pulmonary hemodynamic response testing, we mentioned just historically, uh, not popular. I don't think anywhere. Pulmonary artery pressure and resistance determine survival, and a PA pressure greater than 35 results in a decreased survival of tenfold. So, correlating uh, PA pressures to um, to uh, mortality rates in lung resections. Pulmonary hypertension is a contraindication to lung resection. A PVR greater than 190 is associated with a 90% mortality rate. Uh, PFTs will not identify this. Obviously, you have to do an echo to even get an assessment of whether there is significant pulmonary hypertension. And then if there is severe, moderate to severe pulmonary hypertension on an echo, then you probably should get a cath and check uh, those values, okay, and make sure. Um, exercise testing, uh, there are minimal achievement tests and there are maximum exercise test. Uh, the maximum test, uh, look at arterial desaturations with exercise, uh, measuring something called an MVO2, which you're very familiar with. And this is a number you want to be familiar with as well. An MVO2 less than 15, that seems to be the, the line. Less than 15 is high risk. Blood lactate level uh, during exercise is also evaluated, and then a six-minute walk test distance of less than 600 meters also correlates with a VO2 max of less than 15. MVO2 and VO2 max are the same measure, just different names. Four METs is the energy expenditure required to climb a flight of stairs, uh, walk up a hill briskly, or level ground, or run a short distance. One to four METs, self-care, ambulation, lighthouse work, and then 10 METs are something like strenuous sports, playing tennis, uh, basketball. Uh, patients with good functional capacity, defined as someone who can generate more than four METs and, and no cardiac symptoms, uh, you can generally proceed with the planned surgery. Okay, age, uh, elderly patients greater than 70 should be carefully evaluated for concomitant cardiac disease and pulmonary hypertension. Uh, coronary revascularization may be required prior to a lung resection, and here's a nice algorithm uh, from the STS that uh, would be good to be familiar with. Additional exercise testing um, these are, these are kind of some poor man things, but I usually will, anybody that I'm getting ready to operate on, I'll get them out in the stairs. Uh, 
and see how, how many stairs they can climb. That's a real world uh, reproducible thing that you can trust, at least I trust. Um, you can get all these measurements, but get someone in a stairwell and see if they can go up two flights. Um, so if someone's able to climb three flights, that's acceptable risk for a low, they're gonna survive a lobectomy. Usually put a oxygen sat monitor on their finger as well while we're doing this. See how fast their heart rate goes and see how much they desaturation, uh, how much they desat and how fast. Patients that are able to climb four and a half to five flights uh, are acceptable risk for a pneumonectomy. If a patient can't fly, uh, climb more than 12 meters, uh, they're at high risk for morbidity and mortality. Patients also, shuttles is another measure of this and it's been correlated with the MVO2 uh, of less than 10. Uh, bronchoscopy uh, indications, persistent cough, hemoptysis, wheezing, bronchial obstruction, uh, complications can be pneumothorax, I've never seen that before, you'd have to get really far out, uh, bleeding, hypoxia, and bronchospasm can certainly uh, occur. Uh, bronchoscopic evaluation of lung cancer, um, endobronchial mass, uh, either direct biopsy of the mass or just a brushing or washing. Some of the uh, carcinoid tumors that are centrally located, though if you biopsy those uh, directly, uh, they, they can bleed, uh, can get a little touch and go there. So, uh, but oftentimes brushing and washing won't give you a diagnosis in that situation. So uh, submucosal and peribronchial involvement uh, can be either needle aspiration or washings and brushings. And then if you have a peripheral mass, transthoracic may be more effective in metastatic nodules, it may be more effective. For diffuse metastatic disease, direct biopsy uh, for an endobronchial mass or a random transbronchial for uh, diffuse lymphangitic spread. And here's a picture of a, a tracheal needle aspiration of a lymph node. And uh, you can use transtracheal, transcarinal, or transbronchial needle aspiration for uh, evaluation if they've got a compression of the trachea, widened fixed carina, uh, enlarged subcarinal or, or paratracheal nodes. Uh, other diseases that bronchoscopy is useful in, 30 to 50 percent of patients with TB or fungal infections can be diagnosed by bron uh, bronchoscopy. As you know, proving a fungal infection is sometimes difficult and they don't culture well, and so um, sometimes bronchoscopy can give you the answer. BAL and transbronchial biopsy are frequently successful in diagnosing PCP and also CMV in immunocompromised patients. So guidelines for patient selection, uh, these are just a few of the numbers you ought to be familiar with. F FVC, less than 50% of predicted. FEV1, less than 50% of predicted. DLCO, less than 60% of predicted, and an MVV, or maximum voluntary ventilation, of less than 50%. People also will use uh, these uh, activity indexes, the Charlson or the Duke or the DAISY. Make, make sure you understand that 50% of predicted, so that's the ac actual predicted 
uh, response, on your readout, on your PFTs. Okay, that's an entirely different number than the predicted post-op or PPO, and those percentages can be different. So when you're taking your test, make sure you're looking at what they're asking you because sometimes they can ask for a predicted and sometimes they can ask for a predicted post-op number. Don't get fooled by that because those numbers are different. So summary, post-operative lung function based on spirometry and VQ can be predicted. In pneumonectomy patients, the best predictor of death was a calculated post-op or PPO FEV1. In all patients, the best predictor of death was a calculated post-operative DLCO. And the best predictor of overall complications was DLCO and a predicted post-op DLCO. See, those are two different numbers, your DLCO and a predicted PPO DLCO. So these are, these are some of those uh, guideline numbers. FEV1 and DLCO, greater than 60% of predicted, you're okay to resect up to pneumonectomy. FEV1 and DLCO of less than 60%, that should prompt additional testing, such as a quantitative VQ scan to calculate the predicted post-op FEV1 and DLCO. If the predicted post-op FEV1 and DLCO are greater than 40%, resection should be tolerated. If the PPO FEV1 and DLCO is less than 40%, then that should probably prompt additional exercise study. Uh, to, to um, evaluate their VO2 with exercise, and remember 15 uh, is kind of the, the line. If the patient fails all tests, surgery should be refused in consideration given to palliative chemo and radiation. And there's good options now, SBRT and so, so some other things that can uh, be options for them. So your follow-up question, for patients with calculated post-op Post-resection FEV1 below the accepted safe lower limit, the best test to determine candidacy for resection is BQ scan, occlusion of the pulmonary arteries, uh, that hemodynamic response testing, or PCO2, or maximal oxy oxygen consumption, MVO2, or DLCO. Okay, yeah, we, DLCO is the correct answer.